0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 93. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com. get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com, click on the free book button on the home page, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at carsyad.com. Hello automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Vic Skirmans. Vic, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. It's really great to have you here. Vic and Barbara have been running 356 Enterprises, a Porsche-focused business in North Branch, Michigan, for over 50 years. Vic started racing in 1965 in a Porsche Speedster. And then began running SCCA Nationals in a 356B Roadster. And he's won numerous awards and titles throughout the many years in the driver's seat. Vic has continued to race throughout the years and today runs with vintage groups. His company offers parts and services that benefit from his many years of working on and playing with Porsche 356 automobiles. And if you've been to any vintage event or vintage race, no doubt you've seen Vic and Barbara and one of the many Porsches that they've worked on. So, Vic, I've told our listeners just a little bit about your past. Could you take some time and share a little bit more about your history and your business, your interests, and, of course, your passion for Porsche automobiles?
1: Well, I didn't really discover cars till I was about 15 years old. Before that, I... Built model airplanes and uh, ships, and you know models of ships and tanks and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very interested in history, World Wars One and Two, and especially the aviation aspects. But uh, somewhere along the line in high school, you know, all the kids were reading Hot Rod magazine, and I thought, oh, gee, you know, I, I need to fit in. So. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: didn't really care for Hot Rod magazine. I picked up something called I think it was called Motor Life. And it was a little different. And then uh it it folded and all of a sudden uh one day on the newsstand I, I couldn't find it and there was this uh thing that said sports car graphic combined with motor life. And the bloody thing was twenty five cents and by golly, I didn't didn't want to spend extra money. But I broke down and I bought it and I started reading it and boy that was it. Uh that uh, sports car graphic had an article on the Porsche Spiders, Stuttgart's Silver Stormers. Mm. And uh, I still have that article, as a matter of fact. And that uh, that kindled uh, the automotive flame, especially uh, uh, with Porsches. I uh, didn't start with one. The only thing I could end up with when I bought my first car was a 57 MGA.
0: Oh, nice. And
1: mm. I had that for a while. And when I came to Michigan, I. Uh, Searched around for something a little bit better, and I still wanted to go the Porsche route. And I found a nice little 1958 normal coupe, who was five years old at the time. And I bought that, and you know, went from there.
0: Wow. Well, at that point in your life, did you have any idea that you'd end up having an entire career in life around these 356 Porsches?
1: Absolutely not. I was telling people, well, I'd like to get started racing and, you know, maybe I'd let some expert do things, important things like the brakes and whatever, but I'd drive the car.
2: Yeah, <laughs> sure, the fun <laughs> well, part.
1: Guess, guess what? I made myself the expert. So, no, I, I had no idea that would happen. I just started working on the car myself and then two years later bought a an old Speedster that I uh, did minimal work to so I could actually take it to driver's school and start racing it at Waterford Hills. A uh, track uh, 35 miles away, so I could actually drive the car to the track, and uh, this went on and on from there. And I've been racing. Uh, that was 1965, and I've been racing every year since. So this is uh, this is my 50th year of racing 356s. Oh
0: my gosh, you are one lucky guy. Well, when at what point did you make that jump to? actually opening a shop and starting to work on other people's cars and and start to create an income around this passion for Porsches.
1: I was a mechanical engineer at the U.S. Army Tank Automotive Command in Warren, Michigan, and I was working on my cars, and as my reputation spread somewhat locally, uh, other people would bring their cars in for tune-ups and whatever, and I was working evenings and weekends on other people's cars. And it kept growing and growing, and eventually, uh, it got to the point where, uh, uh, in 1976, with, uh, Vietnam all wound down, uh, there wasn't much to do at TACON, Tank Automotive Command, and, uh, I was pretty much bored out of my mind with literally nothing to do after about the first half hour, one hour, you know, after I'd come in, I'd be done for the day as far as what had to be done, and, uh. I just couldn't stand it. I finally decided I, I had to, uh, I had to leave there and try to, you know, working for myself full time and see what happens. Well, I'm still doing it and uh, couldn't be happier.
0: Well, it's fantastic, and that's what I love about stories like this, where people wrap their avocation into a vocation, and that's exactly what you did, and that's what carja yeah! is all about. So as we continue on your journey Vic, I'd like to start I always like to start this talk with a success quote. And this is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life or your success and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning. So as I always say and I love to say it to you Vic a racer, take the wheel.
1: <laughs> well, I looked I looked at that on your little interview flow sheet here and I looked at it and I searched mine and I Talked to Barbara about it, and she she mentioned some things, and I said, "Yeah, I was raised strictly, and you know, to tell the truth and treat people properly, and that's what I've tried to do with with my customers." And I like to think a lot of my customers, especially the racers, they're they're friends as well as simply customers. So, as far as any single quote, uh, Barbara knows I I admire Winston Churchill, and of course, uh, his whole thing about never giving up, really good advice for for many people. But, you know, back then, um, I wasn't paying that much attention to to those aspects of history, and I can't say that that got me going, but certainly good advice.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like you've never given up, and I had a guest on Cars, yeah, that has a Winston Churchill poster hanging above his desk that has to do with, uh, you deserve victory, with Winston pointing right at you, his finger <laughs> that he picked up in a museum. So uh, I think we'll use that one for you for for the time being. Could you share with us a story, Vic, that instigated your passion for cars? You said you kind of got into cars when you were about 15 years old, but can you remember that single moment when you really realized that you were a car guy? Because you are a car guy through and through.
1: Well, as I said, I I kind of say I was about 15 when I discovered cars uh, and started getting some interest in them. And then, uh, you know, turning 16, I, of course, could uh, get a driver's license and start driving my mother's 1954 Ford six-cylinder, two-speed automatic four-door. And, you know, you take one of those things around the corner really fast with no seatbelts, you end up against the passenger door,
2: but <laughs> that's
1: okay. <laughs> Your cousin pushes you back behind the steering wheel and nobody crashes. Yeah. Anyway, but that, uh, that got me in- interested more and more in cars, and I, I decided uh, after after picking up that issue of sports car graphic, that uh, sports cars were where my interest was, and not uh, you know drag cars or hot rods that only went in a straight line. So that uh, no one specific moment, other than picking up that magazine. Uh, before that, it was kind of a, a gradual evolution. That just uh, the embers were kindling, and uh, the flames finally lit up uh, somewhat later on. It wasn't it wasn't an instantaneous spontaneous combustion.
0: Sure, <laughs> to to quote the internal combustion engine. But you know, you've been racing for so long. Do you remember that very first race that you set in that car, and they dropped the flag and you took off?
1: Uh, I have a photo of me on the grid, and uh, I can't say I, I can remember the actual race. I remember going to driver's school, my instructor calling me in after a while saying, hey, don't, don't blow the car up, you know, and uh, watch your RPMs. I said, I'm not revving it very high at all. I thought I was being pretty gentle to the car, but <clears throat> having been a turn marshal at Waterford for, for two years leading up to that, I, I had a few laps under my belt driving the car out to the corners. Back then, you could park on the corners where you mm-hmm. were turn marshalling, and uh, I'd take advantage of that more often than not, so I kind of knew the line, and once I was turned loose to be able to do, you know, full laps at a time, I, I put that to good use and just kind of went from there. That's uh-huh. so, awesome. I remember that uh, my first, I remember my second race, crashing in turn one. Oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And then after that, you uh, know, just a general running at Waterford for a few years until I moved on to racing in Canada because uh, they they honored Waterford licenses, and uh, I could tell fairly easily the hairwood acres of most sport, then eventually started the FCC route later on.
0: Sounds like fun. Well, Vic, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and perhaps share with us a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. We like to share these stories with our listeners because it helps people understand that, hey, you're not the only one that goes through challenges, but how did you come out of it? So perhaps you could share a moment with us, and more importantly, how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it.
1: Well, from a business standpoint, uh, I've been fortunate. I haven't had any failures there because uh, you know I'm in the niche market, you know, the people that like these cars. Seem to be able to find the money to work on them, even when the economy has gone up and down over the years. Uh-huh. Um, dips in the economy have not affected my business. Now, where I have faced challenges was uh, in racing, uh, getting the car wrecked and then you know fixing it in record time to get to the next race and things of that nature. Sure. And that, that happened more than once. <laughs> and you just you just basically grit your teeth and do what it, do what it takes to put the car together. Uh, one time in uh, 1982, nine of us crashed at the end of the Strait in Middle Ohio when the downpour happened right in the middle of our race, and we were all on slicks. And uh, there was a race the following weekend, and there was no chance that my main competitor, who did not crash, thought I was going to make that next race. Except the Friday night of tech inspection, he was leave- leaving the tech inspection building, and he saw my son and Daniel crashed his car because he knew if my son was there. I was there with the uh-huh. car. <laughs> <laughs> the-, the car was uh, the car had a fender welded on, not 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 painted to match the rest of the car yet, but it was on neatly entitled it, and um, tidily, and chassis was straight, and uh, it. Uh, and we and we'd be and we'd be a, my main competitor. So uh, that was one of my uh, most favorite recollections was getting getting a car back together that I I didn't think is, it was going to make it to the you know even till to the following year.
0: What did that situation uh, tell you? Obviously, you probably spent a huge amount of hours, late nights. Maybe you had people helping you to to pull that off because. I, I've been in that situation where you look at the car and you go, "There is no way. How am I going to do this?" But you pulled it off.
1: Well, my son helped me to some extent. He was pretty young at the time, and uh, but you know he was out there uh, giving me an extra pair of hands when I needed them. You know, to uh, put the tape measure on the chassis and basically figure out the main chassis was uh, straight. It was just uh, everything else was bent forward of the doors, and I cut off the worst part, straightened out what was left. Welded the nose off another car that I torched off that was sitting in the backyard. That <laughs> uh, didn't need it because it didn't have a floor anyway. <laughs> and uh, got it back together, and uh, we had it on the weight jacking scales that Thursday in the final alignment, and then off to the race on Friday. Well, there's... Back then, Auto Week used to cover some of the SCC national races, uh-huh. and... Uh, uh, even mentioned that uh, you know people were shocked that after the big crash at, of everybody in Middle Iowa that I actually showed up at our, at uh, IRP, so got, <laughs> got some press out of that.
0: Sure. Well, the word that comes to mind here is perseverance, and it comes up quite often with uh, people who are guests on my show of of trying to work through difficult periods of times or challenging periods of times is just perseverance, rolling up your sleeves, and you just get it done. That old uh, saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. <laughs> right. so he just tackled it and did it. That's great. I'd love to have had a picture of your competitor's, uh, the look on your competitor's face when he saw that car.
1: <laughs> well, like I said, my son came back from the tech building. I was still take, t- taking the car off the trailer. <laughs> he said, Terry just almost ran into the building looking at me.
0: <laughs> That's great. I love that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and perhaps talk about when you had a real aha moment in your business or your career, a, a time when you realized, you know what, I think this this business is really going to make it. Can you remember a time when that came up and the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success?
1: Well, you know, my basically my, my business has evolved, I would say, slowly but steadily, and there's never been one specific aha where... All of a sudden, you know, things just suddenly burst open, and I,
2: you know,
1: quintupled my income or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just kept growing and growing, and I, uh, I keep track of uh, my gross in, income over the year, you know, during the year, course of the year, and um, it would just kind of keep going up and up and up each year. And I, I'd, I'd look at that in amazement. Hey, I'd wonder where all the money went, but <laughs> <laughs> it would still, it was still a growth that kept going up, you know, upward. Uh, We started, you know, having some parts made that weren't around. Uh, The special gear ratios, we started having those made back in the early 80s. -hmm. And uh, we were the only source for those in the world for a long time. Wow. And the other thing uh, were the valve cover gaskets we came out with that you mentioned to me before. Yeah. It it was a product that was very definitely needed. Uh, Nobody had come up with them. To date, and I finally decided uh, to do something about it and now we you know we sell to Stoddard's and a few other uh, you know larger shops but we're the only you know they're made for us by felpro, and uh, nobody else can buy them from felpro it's our product and uh, I'm pretty proud of those because i'm sure it saved an engine or two for people over the years for you know the him Oil leaks uh, that, you know, have been low on oil and blow up. Sure. Uh, And there's other products. Most of the stuff that we've developed has been for the race car, so it's more of a limited uh, application. But uh, the valve cover gaskets, of course, street cars, race cars, everybody.
0: Well, I mentioned in our pre-show chat when uh, Vic and I were talking, and I've known of Vic for a long time, but I haven't talked to him quite a while. I was at a vintage race many years ago. It could have been 15 years ago and i was talking to him and mentioned that i really wanted a 356 porsche and i remember you were so kind you and barbara mailed me a set of those gaskets with a note that said mark when you get your 356 use these gaskets to make sure the engine is protected and those hung on the wall in my garage for many 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 years in fact i still have them unfortunately i've never gotten that 356 i went down the the 911 route but i will have one someday and i will use those gaskets on that car when i get it but you were so well, good. You were so kind to do that. Yeah, they're they're truly vintage now, though. So
1: <laughs> well, they should still work. They oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure
0: they will. Vic, can you tell me about maybe a proudest moment you had in your business? Uh, a time when you really felt, wow, uh, this is great that I've done this.
1: Well, as far as the business itself, it's, uh, I can't say there's been any any real specific proud moment of the business the pride comes in some of my results in uh, in racing and one thing was winning the SEC national championship with my 1300 porsche in 1994 but before that uh, running the uh, north american porsche cup uh we were second overall to john andretti in 1989 wow. so uh, of the five years of the north american porsche cup i was placed in the top 15 every, every year, and the only driver that did that, by the way, Barbara just kibitzed in the background. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Barbara. <laughs> and, yeah, hello, Barbara. <laughs> anyway, so that, uh, I'm pretty proud of that, and uh, I had a third, third place and a fifth place in there you know, over the years as well, and we've been, uh, we've been placed in the top 20 for the International Porsche Cup Awards uh, or the last year we tried, nineteen ninety. Wow, But we had to run so many races to, you know, get our meager number of points. You know, the pros would get a lot of points for a race. We got just a few points. But mm-hmm. if you ran enough races, you did okay. But finally decided uh, we were spending a lot of time and energy that we didn't need to be doing, you know, going off to the races. But we did get, uh, you know, three trips to Germany, six years in a row. Awesome. And uh, Dr. Porsche handed me my awards, uh, I think, the first three years. And then he turned it over to other people. Wow. But he was always at, at uh, the awards ceremony, so... Uh, well,
0: certainly some wonderfully proud moments. What a what a life in racing. That just sounds so fantastic to me. Let's have a little fun here. Can you remember or tell us about your first really special car and perhaps a memory you had with that vehicle?
1: Well, back in uh, 1971, January, uh, competition press had an ad for an old Porsche Coupe, and... Uh, it was one of the aluminum-bodied cars that were, you know, Porsche originally started up in Austria after the war,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and this one had been one of the race cars, wow. and so it was a pretty much of a derelict, pretty well beat up, but it just, uh, and the price was about where a really really nice Speedster, uh, you know, could have gotten could have gotten a nice Speedster for the same price, but. I had no interest in buying a nice uh, speedster. I just this car just spoke to me and said uh, it needed to, to come home with me. It was out in Colorado, mm-hmm. so I drove out there a '65 SC with a little homemade uh, tow hitch on the back, and we flat towed that thing back from Colorado. Wow. And that car led to my interest in the really early Porsches, which led to. Uh, basically, it helped lead to the founding of the Porsche 356 Registry. Oh, wonderful. Which is going strong now. I, I had I had started a register of uh, old Porsches up through 1953 because I wanted to capture all the really early ones. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, had letters out to Porsche Panorama and Road and Track published my letter. And uh, Jerry Kaiser in Ohio responded to that letter, and he said, oh, how about a registry of all Porsches, all 356s? I said, well, you know, good luck. I'll help out. But anyway, so that's, uh, that's how it started. That, that car pretty much started the registry.
0: Oh, that's a great story. I've been a, a member of that club for a long time of the registry and enjoy the magazine and, and all the stories that come with that. So that's fantastic.
1: That car is now in the Miles Collier collection,
0: by oh, the
1: way. oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was the Monterey record car by uh, September of uh, 51, and they set their 1,500cc records, and then two two other cars along with that one came, came to the States at, by the end of the year and went through Mike Hoffman's import, import uh, business.
0: Wow. Great history there. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had that you let go that you really wish you could have back?
1: Well, at one time I owned two of those aluminum-bodied early Porsche coupes and two of the aluminum-bodied America roadsters.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: they weren't worth much at the time; nobody else cared. I didn't have a lot of money tied up in them, but I also didn't really have the means to, you know, restore any one of them. And they eventually got sold off for a few dollars more than I had paid for them. Right. And as far as remorse, I really don't have remorse that I sold any of them because. Uh, the money I got for them uh, helped me take care of you know, things that need to be taken care of, and again, mainly, I didn't have have the wherewithal to uh, to you know get them uh, brought up to this level they needed to be restored to. Sure. So as far as remorse, I, I really can't say I've had any remorse, you know, in, in that respect.
0: Well, that's good. Fortunate for you. How about current projects? Is there a vehicle you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up?
1: Well, as far as uh, being excited working on a specific car, uh, I've kind of uh, kind of started uh, being a mother hand with poor old uh, 356 race cars that have uh, been abandoned for too long. I've already done three this year: uh, two for others and one for ourselves that we bought. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking the you know super expensive spiders or anything like that. We're talking 356s that have been turned into vintage race cars, and now, of course, you know they're. Some have been raced pretty regularly, and maybe only been put away for a year or two. One or two have been maybe not run for about ten years, and that takes a lot more uh, work on you know brakes and things of that nature just just to get them mobile again. Right. Let alone checking to see what's there that that may may not be at the current specs as far as uh, the reliability and the speed that we've uh, finally developed for them. But uh, I, I get a kick out of taking a car that uh, and, and finding out exactly what's there, uh, seeing what it needs, working with what's already there, not just necessarily telling a guy I'm going to strip the car down with a bare tub, make you spend $50,000 for building a new car. Uh, you know, work with what's there that's still usable and uh, improve it as, as needed. Sure, sure.
0: No, it sounds I, great. I, I,
1: I do enjoy that, especially if I can, <clears throat> this last car that we bought ourselves, I actually took it out and I tested it at Watkins Glen and uh, the car went very well. It was almost as fast as my main, uh, my main Roadster which I was running that weekend.
0: Nice. Oh, I love, so that, you, love that you're one bringing of our them new back. Rental cars. Yeah, I, I was going to say I love that you're bringing these cars back that have been sitting. That's fantastic. Now here's an interesting question for you. And sometimes it's kind of revealing. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? And why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I guess I'd probably be be an old uh, split windshield body bumper three fifty six from about nineteen fifty one.
0: And why that model? What is it that you think that model has to do with who Vic is?
1: Oh, I guess I'm I'm kind of old fashioned and uh, you know all this kind of stuff. And those those cars were the first three fifty sixes. They were the you know the purest of the original design form. Uh, before they started, you know, before the bumpers moved away from the body, and then you know later on, uh, well, they made various styling changes over the years. You know, the guys that like the uh, up through 1959, they don't like anything from 1960 and newer because the headlights went up too high. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, now the uh, the early cars are very popular just from the appearance standpoint. Uh, anything 55 or older, especially if it's from the original 16-inch wheels. It's pretty much undrivable. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, compared to nowadays you know 15 inch radials and all that kind of stuff. But, oh, sure. You know those cars basically they're they're unique in their own in their own way and and for the era they were magnificent cars and uh, you know uh, I hardly took a back seat to just about anything else out there. Yeah,
0: well that's a great choice. I love that. All right, Vic, we're up to what I call the last lap, and you know what that means? It's time to put the pedal to the metal and move quick. These are a series of questions that I'll ask you, and I want you to give me some real quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Okay. Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, I took auto class in in high school, and the instructor was very good and uh, very dedicated to what he you know what he taught and what he believed in, and uh, I think he uh, he kind of guided my my thought processes on what was important uh, with cars, and you know how to be, how to look at details and uh, you know be uh, uh, detail oriented and do the best you can. So.
0: Focus on the details and do the best you can. Yep, I like that. Would you share one of your personal habits that you think has contributed to your success?
1: stubbornness.
0: <laughs> I hear Barbara I,
1: laughing I, in the I will, background. <laughs> I, will, you know, I will find out what's wrong with this car if it kills
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's that perseverance again. I love that. Yeah, perseverance,
1: stubbornness, perseverance, they're uh, kind of the same thing. Uh, to yes,
0: to a certain extent they are. That's great. Yep. Do you have a resource that you could share with us that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website you visit or maybe it's a a, a shop you use or a person that you reference to.
1: Well, of course, we have our own website for you know 356 Enterprises, mm-hmm. and uh, we have suppliers uh Stoddard Authentic Parts. It's called now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get most of my uh, dedicated 356 parts from them. Oh yeah. And we we carry their sponsorship on the car as well, and we sell them our gaskets. Oh great! But uh, there there are, you know a few rest, uh, several good restoration shops and suppliers around the country, but. Um, we don't get into basic restoration, you know. I, I, I rebuild transmissions for any 356s, and of course, I do the race cars and race engines. But uh, restorations, as such, I uh, pretty much have to leave that to others. When I first started doing this full time, I had to, I had to do rust repair and anything that came in the door. It was all just, you know, just local stuff. I didn't have any national reputation at the time. But uh, now there are people that are doing that way better than I ever could imagine doing back in those days.
0: Is there a book that you've read recently or maybe a book in the past that you could share with our listeners that you really enjoyed?
1: Well, Carl, Carl Ludwigson's uh, Porsche Excellence was expected. Mm. is pretty much the, the Bible, yep. if you want to want to learn about the early cars and of course he's expanding into the late later ones as well
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: his writing style is I mean he gets very technical and of course that doesn't bother me any but yeah I still think he does it entertainingly enough that the average person uh, doesn't necessarily get too uh, too glassy eyed uh, reading all the little uh, little details on uh, the mechanical aspects and of course I enjoy that stuff oh, yeah. But his, his research is you know second in
0: the well, I'll remind our listeners that you can find the resources that Vic has been so kind to share with us at Carsya.com slash Vic Skearmants. And his last name is S K-I-R-M A-N-T-S. All right, Vic, you're gonna like this. We're up to the checkered flag. That means we're nearing the end of the race. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. If you could have only one collector car in your garage and it's something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with. And money's no object. So today, I'm going to buy you whatever you want. What would that vehicle be and why?
1: Well, you'll have to get a hold of Chuck Stoddard and get his America Roadster chassis number 12345 because that's my bootstraper.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. That's really great.
1: Yeah. January 23rd, 1945.
0: And that's, that's the reason why you love that car so much. There must be some other aspects cool. as well.
1: Well, it's a neat car. I've actually known the car through several owners and color changes over over the decades, and, of course, uh, Chuck is pretty much the best guy to end up with that car yeah. and, uh, and be the proper steward of it.
0: Well, I'm going to give him a call because I would love to have Chuck on Cars Yeah, and I'll let him know that oh, he yeah. needs to let you have that car. So yeah. <laughs> I'll put in a good word for you, okay?
2: Okay, appreciate All it. right.
0: Well, Vic, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed our time together, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with Cars, yeah. Could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Porsche?
1: Uh, Okay, we'll go back to Winston Churchill and never give up.
0: Never give up. Absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you? Is it your website?
1: Yeah, our website has the articles from Excellence Magazine and uh, an older one from Porsche Panorama, giving my, my basic history. And, of course, it uh, shows all the different products we have and photos of our of our cars and of customers' cars. And uh, the website has been uh, revamped earlier this year, and it's uh, I find it pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great website, and it's three five six three fifty six enterprisescom and I'll make sure that, again, that I post that up on Vic's show notes page at carsyacom slash Vic Vic, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and spending some time today with me. I know it's the end of a busy day for you and appreciate you calling me today and sharing your experience with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Well, thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank
0: you.